0: Still part still part of The Still part Still Oh yeah! Still part Still part of The Still part Still J. in the b Still part Still The jay White in the k Still powerful, Still legends The kids are legends to go. <laughs>
1: Welcome to another edition of Still Potable. My name is Brian Robb. Jay King is in transit to Brooklyn for Ooh. the game on Tuesday night. And Sam Packard is keeping with, keeping with standards. He's dodging you again, Forsberg.
2: It's unbelievable. I thought when you asked today, I said of all episodes, the Monday episode feels like a Sam episode. I thought for sure he would be here. And yet, yet again, denied. We had it all set up, and he was
1: like, who's coming on?
2: Oh, yeah, was, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, he's super busy. I get it. I get it. Um, Hopefully, it'll lead to another beautiful TikTok moment at the garden when I see him, and he can uh, he can use me as social media clickbait to to lure in the viewers.
1: But yeah, this is the free episode of Still Potable here on the CLNS uh, YouTube channel. You can subscribe there to get this episode every week. Uh, it's brought to you by... FanDuel, and Factor. And you can check out Still potable Monday through Friday uh, on Patreon.com slash Still potable to get daily Celtics analysis ad-free. And we have many great guests. And Chris Forsberg, I think you're our first, I want to say, three-time guest here on Ooh. Still Potable. And it's good... T- it's just good to have you on. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the last week. We're gonna to get to that with the trade deadline. Mm. Um, what the State You did some really good research on Jalen Springer, I wanna to get to this week. But first off, we had a little bit of um a little bit of a showdown in Miami on Sunday, and a lot was said after the fact here between Jalen Brown and Duncan Robinson mm. after the Celtics beat the Heat on Sunday. I guess first off, what is your just take on this whole Situation. We'll get into maybe some of the deeper cuts here, the Celtics versus yeah. Miami down the line here. So um,
2: it brought back someone. I saw someone mention this on on Twitter, and they said it brought back memories of of Kevin Love and Kelly Olenek. Was that like that back in the day beef where we were like, oh, my God. You know, it, it really kind of escalated for minimal reason um, with people thinking they were trying to hurt, like Kelly was trying to be vicious. Um, the Celtics have been so boring that I don't mind a little beef. Uh, it's disappointed that we, we won't see Miami potentially until, I mean, is that the one eight matchup? Like if, if things trend, awesome. you know, so, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that you don't want that much excitement in the, in the first round of the playoffs, but okay. So like that, that could be the trend. Um, I liked that the Celtics, um, you know, Joe likes the fact that they get put in these situations and have to respond. And I didn't think they responded great in the moment. But they found a way to win that game. And so, um, you know, if that emboldens them a little bit for the future in sort of like this, I always say the wrestling heel type of mantra where, you know, everyone's against you and your your teams are mad at you, then that's good. But um, I probably would have preferred they did that immediately instead of letting the game get <laughs> a little bit dicey.
1: Yeah, the uh, the response in the moment um, from Jalen after that play was was ugly initially but he did make a couple plays i guess tatum i want to credit more for making plays down this stretch of that yeah game than, than jalen brown but at least jalen had the one nice play where free. he made the back cut, right and then he had the rebound with like 20 seconds left in the game off the offensive board like again these are plays to help sit but i'm with you like generally the the whole like crunch time scenario with this team um after the aftermath of this altercation if you will doesn't that you make you feel better necessarily. Um, it is winning on a, in the road against a team that has your number, but they also were down Jimmy Butler and you know two other guards over the course. Josh of that Richardson,
2: game. So, like I mean, they lost everybody right. in that game. So yeah, I, I don't know if I felt I I I get Joe's point. You want to be put in tough situations and learn from it, and it's it's a lot better than probably just steamrolling through teams because look what happened with two thousand eight. 2008 steamrolls everybody. They get to the playoff and everything is difficult, and they don't respond great to it. Now they won every home game, so it didn't matter. But you know they had to grind once they got there. I think it would benefit this team to have to fight a little bit during the regular season. But I don't know. Like some of these games get dicey, and they don't. They shouldn't have to get to that point. Can I give you like the one sneaky stat? I thought about writing about it today, but I need. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it some time. So Please. I, I think. I think they're they're now eighteen and eight in. Um, Crunch time games. Yeah, clutch time situations. Number. Yep. Yeah, I think I saw that. And if you if you take it from inside five points inside five minutes, take it down to I think within one possession for a three point game. So one possession game late. How are they there? I think they go down to eleven and eight, which means they're seven and zero in games where they're kind of close, but they had the padding and they get to the finish line. And they're less successful in games where it like really gets dicey. And you think about a lot of those overtime games. Now, I do think they've been far better in recently. And I know everyone over in that building is sick of us complaining about late game execution. <laughs> but I, I do think it's like it's still the number one thing that has to be watched. So besides health um, over the finish line of the season, I just want to see them. I think defensively, they've been awesome. Like, I, I, like even Tatum locking in and blocking Bam and all that. That's been great. I just think there's another level they can get to to just make their lives somewhat easier. Is that what we keep coming back to that? They just
1: make their lives a little bit too difficult sometimes. Totally. I mean, it's a situation where it's better than last, like they're making positive strides in this department as far as like the, that record you mentioned, but there's still plenty of room for growth there because I think yeah. a lot of those that 18 and seven are like that. That's a misleading number because it's like, all right, if they have a lead by 12 and then they win by four, I'll like a Miami game. And they get credit for the clutch time win, but it's like, should they get credit for that? Like right. that, 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 that's like different category than, like you said, a one possession game in the last couple of minutes there. And I think just the execution on that front from like Tatum shown strides, Jalen Brown, like is certainly up and down, but their decision-making process from those guys. in a lot of those moments has not been great over the years and has cost them games over the years. Yeah. And so now with so many new pieces this year, where it's like, all right, the onus that may have been on them a couple of years ago, or even last season, is not there anymore. Like, why are we still seeing the same decision-making there? I think that's, like, the big thing to, to work on here in the next 30 games, being like, all right, can they diverse, diversify things on that front?
2: Now, all that being said, one, they have been so much better about getting Kristaps Porzingis the ball, like, through the totality of games. Maybe not so much yet at the end of games, but I thought – just understanding that he is a mismatch, especially in this last four games or whatever. They've been so intentional about the touches and those are up through the roof. And that's great. Um, you know, as much as I crunched those numbers and said last two minutes, like it was 104-101, I think, with two and a half minutes to go. And that's when Tatum drew the double team and found Jalen on the back cut for the, like, which was probably their their best basket of the of the last run and then blocked Bam. So they are making plays in one possession games and stuff like that. I just think we we're, we're all on the same page here. It's just like, you don't probably have to get that close if you just tighten up a little bit in the under six portion of it. And um, but, hey, like I get it. Games get close. And if you go back and you rewatch it, you probably feel a little bit better than you do about it in the moment. Um, it's just going to like I know they would love for the storyline to go away. It's just not going to go away until they're like real. And, and, and it's so it's so weird because if you if you look at the overall clutch numbers, I think their, their, their net rating is like plus twenty three point eight. It's like only Denver is better at plus 24. It's like th- absurd. And their defense has been so good in those final two minutes. I think it drops to 83.8 uh, defensive rating. It's like, it's criminally low, um, but they just gotta be, there's just a little bit to tighten up there and don't put yourself in
1: that situation to begin with. All right. Before we wrap up the gig talk on this game, just the whole situation with Jalen and Duncan, like in mm-hmm. the quotes about it after the game, what, what, not whose side are you on here? What was, was this like, Oh, Duncan, like you're wrapping him up. So Jalen, of course he has the right to like right. Just toss you off or versus like, oh, is this, I mean, people, like you said, you brought up the alunic part of it. I don't think it went that far, certainly from like yeah. Jalen's perspective. But like what, what, whose horse are you backing here? Who, Whose side do you lean towards a little bit in this instance?
2: Is it possible to, I mean, like I say this as someone who has a very punchable face. Like how do you like <laughs> back Duncan Robinson in that situation? Like when he's sitting there throwing a fit about it, um, I will say every time I watched the replay, I was like, uh optically it doesn't look good, right? But, you know, you can obviously make the case that Duncan has to disengage. He was clutching and grabbing throughout that game. I get why Jalen's frustrated in that moment. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's – I don't want to give either credit for for the situation, but um, I get both <laughs> – put, put it this way. I get both sides of it, yeah. and I think, you know, it's it's just – it's it's not a, the worst thing that it happens. I just w- would like to see you know I'd like to see the response from the Celtics be a little bit better. Even though Joe was seemed thrilled with it that in a physical game they were like okay cool we'll you know th- you figured out a way to tune it up at the end.
1: I just want to know how Joe didn't challenge the uh, Porzingis getting the shot from Bam on the uh, in the <laughs> the quarter earlier for Porzingis. It- I just got thrown out of the game for that a couple years ago, I feel like. And so that was one where I was like, oh, it may have been a foul, but even if it was a foul, like that's still that. I, I didn't even think of that because I, I, I saw a lot of people
2: worked up about it. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just uh, w- even if you get the foul called, whatever. But I didn't think about that. Getting him ejected would have been would have been huge. What? My, I think my favorite moment was uh, Bam then, like, you could clearly tell they were talking about it after the play, like after the game. Him and Tatum were on the court, like, joking about, like, the arm thing. And uh, it didn't seem that Bam Adebayo was that worked up about it. And uh, we know how friendly he is with the core of this team after Team USA. So uh, Bam probably is just
1: like, yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sets the stage for fun potentially in April and May if these guys get together again. But um, oh, man, it's only—I
2: al- almost, I almost wish we had one more. Like, how is it that we play the Pacers seventy-four times but we don't have right. another one more game against
1: the the Heat? Well, NBA's got to
2: spread these things out better.
1: Wait for that fifth matchup coming up because next soon. But all right, let's take a break here to hear from our sponsor Fanduel, and then we'll get to some trade deadline
0: tar- talk with uh McForsberg. With Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from Fanduel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com. We'll call 1-800-GAM-1234.
1: All right, we're back here at Still Potable. Um, Chris Forsberg of NCB Sports Boston is joining the show here. And Chris, we have not talked to you since a flurry of trade Mm -hmm. deadline activity. Three big moves, um, big in quotations. But (laughs) one guy, one pretty meaningful move potentially for the future here is the addition of Jayden Springer from the Sixers. Uh, we saw Daryl Morey had some interesting comments about mm. kind of giving up on Springer last week. Uh, Springer brushed those comments off on Sunday. But you have dove into the video here of uh, what kind of inspired Brad Stevens to make this move, the, a big preseason effort against the Celtics this year. What have what have you seen after digging in deeper there? And what do you just make of this uh, move for, for now, potentially the future?
2: Yeah. So I think we start by like, I, when I reminded two years ago, when they traded for Derek White, I was talking to Brad after, you know, we're lucky enough to get a little one-on-one with him after the the trade deadline. And, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting is, and to kind of bring this conversation full circle was he pointed to Miami and said, you know, we need to be better at finding guys that other teams are, have either given up on or still have potential and nurture them and bring them along like our own draft picks so that we can supplement our growingly expensive core. And that's just something I've kept in mind as they've made moves the last couple of years, because I mean, Brad is going to trade every first round pick ever. I actually joked with him after this trade deadline, is he ready to pick the number 30 pick this year? Because you know, like they still have a first round pick. They probably won't by draft night, but um, we'll see exactly how, how that plays itself out. Um, So Springer Springer to me sort of fits that mold, right? Like he's still so super young, still only 21. Brad jokes that he's, you know, younger than a lot of the guys they're looking at with that 30th pick. And, uh, they really like what they've seen. And and I'll admit, like, I, I didn't remember a whole lot from that preseason game. I, I think I remember the Tatum dunk, but I honestly didn't remember it was Springer. And so Brad was saying how that preseason game left uh, an imprint on him. And you go back and watch, and, I mean, he's all over the tape, you know, whether it's defending Jalen, whether it's, like, um, stripping Porzingis at one point. He's just doing the the Springer things that we've probably seen a little bit more uh, as he got more of an opportunity the last few weeks in Philly. So. um and look, Brad admitted that they kind of had their eye on him. But then the final week leading up to the trade deadline, he defends Luca, he defends Steph, and no one's going to be perfect in those situations. But when you take a part time player and go ask him to defend two of like the best players in the league and he kind of holds his own, like that's encouraging. So he's got to learn to be an, some sort of an offensive threat. We know that, you know, in order to play for Joe Missoula, you got to be able to bring it on that end. Um, but the athleticism is more than I, remembered from those games and you know his his highlight reel is is kind of fun with the the blocks and the chase downs and like just kind of a fearlessness throwing himself in there I mean that Tatum dunk he could have made a business decision in a preseason game real quick but to go up and challenge that shot was like whoa and to get full ball and all that so um I like the potential I don't know what it will translate to I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get like Peyton Pritchard barely logs of uh, enough minutes for this team is a fourth guard we saw last year like Pey- Peyton didn't play a whole lot so but if you're resting Drew Holiday over the st- final stretch of the season if you know you just feel like you need another wing defender he plays bigger than his six four. so it's weird that I mean I, I, it's weird that we're spending all this time on him and not Tillman when I think Tillman is like super important to, <laughs> to navigating it but I just thought it was interesting when Brad was kind of leading me through the like how this this came up and like why they they jumped on the radar and then you add in Maury's comments were which were just ridiculous like even if you think that don't come out and say that why would you give a rival like that any motivation so uh it's the it's the reason that you know Brad plays everything kind of close to the vest and uh Daryl Maury just doesn't know when to stop
1: talking 100% that's exactly like you can think that to say that when you're going head to head of a rival to like put it out like they're like that I mean he tried to compliment him, but it's like no, you still like that's yeah, total a total backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's like it's funny though, because this is this is a type of me, a move where it's like they have so many limited resources to add in the future, so it's it makes sense to kind of try to check two boxes with a, a move like this. And spring, I don't know, is there is there a player? Is it like Javante Green type stuff? Did you see Ooh. like defensively there? Is that like a fair? Yeah, I mean, I like a lot more season than he was when when he was here. But
2: so so, how tall was Javante? Six five? Like Springer's yeah. a little shorter. Like I think he, I think six three without shoes, six four. But he's definitely long and like springy. Um, it's funny if you go back and read some of the draft comps, Someone made a Marcus Smart comp, and at first I was like, no. And then you watch the chase down blocks, and it's very Norm Powell blockish, like coming from behind and like more hops than you think. Marcus always had those sneaky like jumps, but I mean, this kid's a lot springier in general, living up to his, to his last name. Um, I, what I, the one thing that really jumps out is just watching the tape is he's just like super active. Like, you know, he'll, he'll be on Jalen, but then he'll dance away to like pester uh, a Tatum drive, scramble back. I think you put him in a really good defense and he can hold up. Right. Like, and so I wonder, I think we all say coming in, it felt like they needed one more guy. They could confidently throw at wings and as good as O'Shea and you know Lamar probably checked some of those boxes, but just couldn't play them offensively. Um, I wonder if they'll just give him a chance, you know, and maybe it'll be like, you know, he just doesn't make enough shots. He's the, you he can't have multiple offensive non-threats out there. And that might limit him. But honestly, even if he just goes to Maine and gets reps and gets work, and then you, you evaluate next year, they had no pathway to adding a $4 million guy next season. So at least you have a, a flyer here to take on him. And so I like, I like, While I'm not thrilled overall. Like I, I would have loved if they've done something that made you definitively say I am like, I do come away like kind of. It, some of his numbers are just, are just like stupid. Good. The the 99th percentile for blocks and steel percentage for wings, the offensive rebound percentage, you know, there's some redundancy there with like O'Shea and O'Shea has more size. I like, I don't know. Like, again, I don't, I, don't, I can't tell you what the definitively is going to be the role this year. I just like the the prototype of the player, and I, I guess that's one of the things I come away with is like Brad has a type, someone who can defend and stocks and all that. And so we'll see if we'll see if they can maybe hit the dice on a uh, hit the jackpot on a dice roll.
1: What about Tillman here? It looks like he's going to be out. I'd assume till the All Star break they they're being kind of cagey about it, but there's two games left. It's there's no it makes no sense. They're healthy. Like get him right, get him um, a couple weeks off since he had a week off in Memphis there, but. Is that someone that you is, how pleased are you as far as, I mean, we, we talked a while. I mean, me and you, I feel like I've been banging the, the big drum for a while here. Is that as good as yeah. you would hope for, for, for the big on that front?
2: Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing is you think about five back-to-backs remaining. And that means probably up to 10 games where you're not going to have a big because if Corford's out one night and Pr- Pr- uh, Porzingis is out the other, you need somebody. Um, and so, I mean, I know they've been able to navigate it for going on 63% of the season now, or whatever, but it does help. Um, I'm kind of disappointed you would love if you could have thrown him out there in one of these Brooklyn games. I think that's why I wrote on Springer today because I was just like, he's probably more likely to get a chance in these next two games than Tillman. I agree. I think just there's no sense rushing it. Let him get up to another 10 days off or whatever before you even have to think about it. And um, But good for him to be around the team, sort of get familiar with the personnel, get familiar with the scheme, the terminology, all that. And then turn him loose coming out of the break and, and see what you got. I do think the potential is, is really good there. Very Al-like you know, and defensively in terms of undersized doesn't get play big above the rim, but is going to be super versatile moves. His feet can defend guards, you know, watching those clips where he's defending Jokic and then switches on the Murray. That stuff's encouraging to me because you're not asking him to do it a lot. And, but if he can do it for five minutes a game, you know, in a playoff game or something like it's just a nice luxury to have. But yeah, I think we were both there, right? Like big depth helps them more than anything else they could have acquired. Maybe a wing defender, like, I guess some versatility there, but he can do that because he can move his feet.
1: Right. And that's where Al Horford at age 37, Luke Cornette, like those guys are you know, more reliable defenders in terms of the, the, the day-to-day grind in terms of their health. But when it comes to a situation where Porzingis goes out, you're facing a team in the playoffs. It's like, if you get Al on the wrong night, then he suddenly can look really slow. And look at steps And Cornette is clearly not going to be the answer on that front. So Tillman at least gives you something else to throw at it. As well as, I don't know, it's like a pretty intriguing move for the future here because, like, you do get his Mm -hmm. bird rights. And Al Horvath still has one year left on his deal. I mean, I think Cornette's a free agent. I mean, all these guys are free agents here. So, but you're you're eventually going to be like, who is going to be your long term replacement here for Al? Um, If, I mean, assuming he does have more than a couple years with him. And Tillman is someone who can, you know, if he plays his cards right this season, he's not going to break the bank, but also is going to be someone who you could see being a, you know, a good depth piece in the middle for a long time here. So until Brad trades for Wendell
2: Cotter jr. We'll just keep riding <laughs> with, riding what we got. No, you know, like I, there's the same deal. I think that's always the biggest long-term issue for me. And I know people, even with Springer, people are like, Oh, is that Derek white insurance? And I mean, come on, like Derek White is just such another level of a player right now. He's practically in the, obviously in the all-star conversation, which probably be at the all-star game based on a lot of his early returns. Um, but I do think having another guard, because you do have tough decisions coming up with Drew and, and Derek and figuring that all out, it, it can't hurt to have some more guys in the pipeline. So, um, but yeah, I think that's the bigger thing for me is like Tillman still has a lot of potential and, you know, maybe just needs to be in the right system. And um, if getting the spend even if it's just another few months with Al Horford is cannot hurt his development and cannot hurt like in terms of like teaching him how to be the best he can be. And so I really, I I think this could be really, I hope he just attaches himself to Al's hip. I hope Al takes him under his wing and uh, just share some of that knowledge about like how to, how to really be impactful at, at that size and, and that, that play style. All
1: right. I want to, bring up one former Celtic to you and the contract situation you brought with you, all. I want to talk to you about that after we hear our sponsor here factor. All right, back here for more so potable of Chris Forsberg of NBC. It's Boston. A lot of action with former Celtics at the trade deadline. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Grant Williams chief among them, uh, honestly, probably in the headlines more than any other name uh, in the last week after he was kind of buried out the door by uh, some anonymous (laughs) sourcing in Dallas here. And Grant uh, made his debut in Charlotte over the weekend. Uh, played pretty well off the bench in a Hornets win over the, uh, the Grizzlies. But I think what's normal, Chris, here, he had some comments after the game. I want to get your take on um, in the wake of this, uh, you know, not slander that went against them, but pretty, pretty rough <laughs> exit for Grant for uh, a well-liked guy here in Boston. But he said, it's great to get a win for the city and play for the jersey that's across your chest or a name that's across your chest none your back. Everyone <laughs> touched the ball. We trusted one another. Like you hear that sort of speaking from him, like after playing of Luca and playing of Kyrie here. Like, what's I hope he's going to talk more about this, but like, is that <laughs> just an innocuous comment to you, or is that him just being like, you know what, screw you guys, like, this is.
2: Do we have any games left in Charlotte this year? Can we get you down there? Because you're the king of like the if Daniel Tice <laughs> needs to, to vent about a former situation, I need you to I need you to go pry it out of these guys. I don't think it'll take much coaxing either. If you uh if you want to try to get it out of Grant, um, hey, look, I I'm sure it's frustrating to go from the high of hey this team believes in me, they signed me to this big deal, gave me the deal that the Celtics wouldn't give me, to being a starter on opening night, to making all your shots to start the year, and then kind of like. Really, kind of just nosediving, and unfortunately, you know, um, at least leaving the door open for them to consider making this move. And so, I can understand Grant's frustration. I'm sure there's some difficulties that come with playing with Luca and and Kyrie. Like, I get it, super talented guys, but I think we know, like, it hasn't worked. I think Chris Stapp's Porzingis can speak pretty well too. Right. There's some difficulties playing in that offense when you have a ball dominant guard, and so. I, I can understand where Grant's coming from. I hope he embraces the opportunity he has. And, you know, I'm probably not the right person to say this because I get way too obsessed about how miserable the Kyrie experience was. Uh, but, like, you just got to put it behind you and focus on your future. And if Grant just invests in being in his home city and playing for a bad team and getting these opportunities and kind of reestablishing his value, you know, whether it's growing with the team there or being moved to a contender further down the road, like, there's a good opportunity for him to – Kind of find his way, um, but yeah, it just kind of reaffirms what we already knew. That Mavs thing is it's pretty uh it's pretty rocky situation.
1: It's just what well, I mean. It's pretty terrible asset management by them in terms of like they gave up draft capital. Um, they have I think part of it for you know first time pick just to get him in the first place. And yeah, he had a bad couple months, but um, you know they're they're clearly whether they're catering to their stars here or whatever, but I do like you that. I think it's a, this is a pretty good opportunity for Grant in terms of he can just play free in Charlotte for a while, kind of maybe rebuild some value. And, and that's a situation where I assume he's not going to be there super long-term, but he, you know, they'll probably, he be might someone that is going to be attainable that can help a team next year um, yeah. and come off the bench or whatever. Uh, even though that contract, mm-hmm. we did look at it here last summer and be like, Oh, how's that going to age? And already, you know, a few months in, it's like, oof, yeah, I guess that's a situation where if he's not hitting the three as well enough, like his size and his deficiencies are a little more glaring uh, when you're not around, you know, an elite defensive team. Is is PJ Washington an upgrade? That's what I'm wondering. Like, I don't know. Like, playoff-wise, like, we have no idea. He hasn't done anything in the playoffs. He's never played a big game in his
2: life. And, I mean, we we went through this. Like, I look, I, I actually really like PJ Washington. I think he's a good player. I thought when the Celtics had to decide about Grant, there was some thought to, do you make that move? But like at least Grant has proven it on the playoff stage. She's gone out and defended KD and Giannis and like made big shots in a big game. I got no clue what PJ Washington's gonna do in that situation. He probably won't talk as much. But like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing. I I think I'm with you. Like the 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 Mavs, maybe they'll be rewarded. Maybe it'll like, you know, they just need a new, a different person in there and it will work and they'll be look smart. But when you start totaling up everything they gave up to make that move, I, like that's what that's what bad teams do. You know, they overpay for after taking what they think is a misstep instead of trying to see it through and and figure it out. Like I just think it's it's so bad, you know? But I guess you also when you're sitting there worrying every day that Luka Doncic is going to come to your office and be like, "Hey, I'm out of here. You do whatever it takes to to keep him happy." And the fact that this is the volatility and not number 11 <laughs> causing some issues like
1: take it oh, Yogi that. didn't like what you said. I don't know. <laughs> I it was not at first. I was ready to re- reach for a new switch. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, buyout market is still there. Hold on a second. What do, you,
2: what do you like? You're the buyout king. You
1: tell me. I mean, Otto Porter Jr. has to be the move, right? Like, that's. I, people is, are is mad gonna, at me now. Is Danny going to cut him loose, is the question? That's like, we've heard crickets yeah. on that front so far. I mean, Danny's
2: got to do it, right? Like, he's definitely going to watch this pod. So I need him to to understand, like, he needs to, uh, to go and, and get let set auto porter jr free danny you guys are you're in the mix in the west but it would be helpful for your former team to have a chance to compete and because you couldn't funnel kelly O'Linick here at least do the right thing and get auto porter, porter jr i actually have people in my mentions being like um they they're they they, they don't see why i'm so high on auto porter jr i'm like are you high on any of these buyout guys right exactly it's like there's not much there it's slim pickings. And and part of me, you know, obviously they're, they've got to navigate a little nimbly here with Kada because he's running out of games. And um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing to just sign him, but even then, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because he's a minimum guy, it's harder to like, you could do one and one, maybe like,
1: you know, right. you not year get the year. I think. Right. You can only offer year so deal. It,
2: it's the same thing that happened with Hauser where they needed the mid-level to, to stretch that out over four years or else you're just really kind of short circuiting yourself. So I don't know. Like, I think they can sell him on the idea of like, look, we added Tillman. We're going to keep you on a two way. We got bigger plans for you next year and he'll probably be cool with it and can still help you get through the regular season. If you need to lean on Caden in the playoffs, something probably went wrong. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's the the smarter path. And then you just get someone who at least has some experience as that 15th guy. I just like auto because he's been in big games, you know, like, I think that matters. And, um, but I don't know if there's a PJ Brown or uh Sam Cassell out there I think you're just kind of hoping that a little bit of serviceable depth and uh like I like them as a trade target so I'll, I'll just keep banging that drum that they should think about him with uh with the buyout market but I will say I, brad does not sound like he's gonna move quick you know he wants to kind of get a look at this and he wants to you know if you're rushing to get a buyout guy same deal you're like you're probably in a bad spot for a reason um I think they'd rather wait and just if something were to happen before, whatever that is there a date, is there like a March 9th date that you got to no, no, I mean
1: Honestly, it's a situation where the guys just have to be bought out by March 1st from their, their current That's right. team. And so, then you can sign anyone whenever you want. If you're uh as long as so, you're not in that team then.
2: That's right. That's where the date is. So that's even better. That that gives you the flexibility to take it right to the last day of the season. And as long as the guy was bought out before that, you might as well just add him then. Saves you tax-wise, saves you, you know, the only thing you'd you'd want is probably some time to integrate that person in case you needed right. an emergency body. So, but wait, wait, like there's no reason, like if you need a wing all of a sudden, because someone rolls an ankle, then you go pursue it. And uh, so give yourself that flexibility long-term.
1: Yeah. Nimi. once Tillman was added to the equation here, I feel like, Barring, exactly barring a big injury it's like why would you do it like yep. he's he's not someone even if everything goes around the playoffs like this mine do there.
2: <laughs> i don't know if you i don't know if you heard kemba go nuts so like both of our dogs going nuts at the end of this podcast amazing
1: well that's that's the sign to wrap things up here um <laughs> chris forsberg mbc sports boston make sure you check him out on Celtics Talk pod and every night on uh Pre pre and posts and we'll be back here at still potable we'll coming back tomorrow with a post game from Celtics Nets in Brooklyn. Jay will be there for that one. Thanks again to see on us for hosting us. Thanks again to our sponsors, FanDuel and Factor. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow here. On still Were Pod. you at Packard? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um...